Hi, we're Jared and Amanda with After Homeschool, where we help homeschoolers learn about career fields in STEM and beyond. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of After Homeschool. Uh, this is a podcast where we help high school-aged homeschoolers and parents of homeschoolers uh, help them figure out, you know, really what they want to do with their career if they're interested in STEM in particular and um, Kind of the way we're doing that is just conversations with my wife Amanda and I, and most importantly, interviews from working professionals who work in various different fields out in STEM. So today we have Sam Cheesebro, uh, so I should say Dr. Sam Cheesebro. He is a robotics engineer. So before I uh, lie about exactly what he does, uh, let's just welcome Sam. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm super excited to hear about what you guys are doing. I think this is great. Um, high school is when I got really uh, interested in STEM as well, so this is, this is pretty meaningful for me. Great. So why don't we start off just telling us what you do right now, and then we can back up into how you got where you are today. Yeah, sure. So, so I'm a robotics engineer, and in particular, I work on controls. So that's taking sensory inputs from various types of sensors um, and making mathematical decisions about how to make a robot move. And so I work in uh, exoskeletons, um, surface robotics. So what we do is we are trying to enhance a person's strength uh, without taking anything away from what they can already do. So you can walk in the robot, you can lift heavy things, and that load goes through the robot instead of through your body. And so you don't wear out the, the human body nearly as much doing tasks like uh, logistics, you know, taking... Uh, cargo from place to place or assembly of aircraft and maintenance and things like that. Right. Uh, so it's, it's super fun, lots of interesting challenges, coupling a, a robot and a person together. Cool. So what's kind of like the, the state of the art of where, where y'all are at with this project right now? Yeah, for sure. So, um, so right now it's a startup, and so we've got our first couple of prototypes um, that we've built trying to understand how uh, coupling a, a human and a robot together really works. And so um, we've got some different kinds of sensors that we're trying out to figure out how to turn human intent into robot motion and how to make the robot really compliant with the person so it's only doing what you as the user want to do. Um, so a lot of what goes into that is, um, you know, inventing sensors, different force sensors, different uh, measurement sensors for uh, measuring how far the robot has moved, encoders, things like that. Uh, it's a really multidisciplinary project. So we, we take everything from electrical engineering who are designing the boards and computers that are running on the robot to software engineering and firmware engineering, really communicating to that hardware and, and making the logical steps happen. I'm in control, so I do a lot of the mathematics behind the motion and sensory input. And um, then, of course, you know, we've got the mechanical engineers who make these amazing different actuators, ways to move uh, the robot around, um, different kinds of motor design, different kinds of mechanical linkages and things like that to route wires in clever ways. Uh, so it really brings together all these different disciplines of engineering together, and you have to be able to interface with each other and learn from each other to solve the, the problems and get the robot to move naturally and and uh, quickly. Cool. So what is the, like, the market for this device, like military or, like, home use? Or? 
Yeah, so there's uh, there's a broad range. We've got industries, um, you know, from oil and gas, aerospace, um, the logistics companies, all coming together, automotive industries coming together who are really interested in being able to lift things and solve problems in a human way. Uh, so there's a lot of tasks that you can just completely automate with robots, and they've done that in a lot of these places. Then there's a lot of places that uh, still need the, the human touch. So you might be unpacking a truck and, and putting things on an assembly line, and people are still doing that. Or you might think of uh, maintenance tasks where people are lifting you know, pieces of aircraft engines and, and placing them. People are still required to understand the problems and how to grip things and how to maneuver these devices into place. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they do that, they're experiencing a lot of load through their body. And so the whole point of getting a robot that's cooperative with the person and really is an extension of the person is to relieve the stress on their own body so that they can just use their, their human minds to solve these problems and do these tasks uh, in a safer way. Cool. So, yeah, focusing more on the strategy of getting it done and less on the less requiring the actual brute strength to do it, I guess. That's right. That's right. Yep. So anybody who's moving large things uh, around and that needs that human touch, that's where we're uh, focusing. Cool. Oh, man. So when I was just starting out graduate school, what you're doing is pretty much exactly what I wanted to do at the time. Um, so uh, it didn't turn out that way for me, but uh, I hope you're enjoying it as, as much as I thought I would. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really feel like God has just blown open a bunch of different doors for me to get into the, the right grad school and then to uh, get into this job, uh, making all the connections and building up all the right skills. Uh, I just got super, super lucky, you know. Great. So I just learned um, that you were homeschooled like I was. So, I mean, so you kind of want to just kind of right. walk us through how you got to where you are, just going all the way back to homeschooling and how that experience yeah. has kind of shaped a lot of your your track? Absolutely, absolutely. So my dad, uh, his background is in physics and his career is in computer science. And then my mom, uh, her training was in um, mathematical education. So when they were uh, looking around, uh, they had a lot of people in their church who decided to homeschool. Um, And at that point in time, they were really focused more on the educational environment in New Mexico at the time. Uh, they just really wanted something different, and so they decided to sort of as a church group start to homeschool, and so we were a part of that. I'm the oldest. Uh, I've got a younger brother. He's three years younger, and uh, so kind of right away, my, my parents started reading a lot of books about homeschooling and going to conferences and figuring out, even before we were born, kind of like, you know, what what is this going to look like, and how are we going to, wow. you know, help these help these kids to succeed, and so from a very early age, you know, we were doing as many hands-on experiment things um, as possible. Um, my mom was, was teaching us, you know, all the basics and things like that, and then my dad would come uh, home at night, and then we'd do, you know, various other fun experiments and things like that. Um, and so it was pretty much, you know, ingrained from the beginning. That wasn't the case for a lot of our, our friends. A lot of our friends, uh, they would try various other kinds of schools, and then the their parents would decide, hey, you know what, this homeschooling thing is looking interesting, so they'd try it out. So uh, I, I got really lucky that we started so early, but it's it's not a, a requirement in any sense. But for me, what it really meant is I was able to explore things that were interesting to me, and my mom was really good about incorporating uh, different parts of the curriculum around those things that I was fascinated by. So 
paleontology was one of the things I was interested in really early on, dinosaurs and dinosaur bones. And so I would, you know, start to want to read these encyclopedias about dinosaurs, and my parents would encourage that by, you know, getting them from the library and, like, reading them to me before I could really understand anything. And then once I kind of hooked onto that, I could kind of accelerate what I was learning from reading and, and all these other areas to kind of pinpoint it on whatever I was most interested in. So it was an interesting, like, holistic approach to to kind of fostering that knowledge. And uh, probably from my, my upbringing, my parents, I was interested in nerdy things from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I was predisposed to liking to build things with Legos and, and things like that. But it was really in high school I started to do um, Science Olympiad competitions. Yeah. So we had a bunch of homeschoolers around our, our area in Albuquerque that got together and we made a Science Olympiad team. And uh, Science Olympiad is really cool. It's like a science fair, but there's uh, many different events that you do that spans all of the different STEM fields, and it gives you a practical, hands-on way to interact with them. So they'll have a bunch of rules. of like, here's the competition, so maybe it's building a trebuchet. Mm-hmm. And you want to be able to hit certain targets, and uh, you have to make graphs and make the trebuchet and, and understand these things. And I just really got passionate about Science Olympiad. Um, and I thought, man, it would be really cool if I could just do this every day of my life because, you know, there's the, the teamwork aspect. There's the creativity, building something that has never existed before, characterizing it, and then kind of being able to use it for something interesting and productive. Well, it seems productive to me, you know, hitting a target at a certain distance and, and things like that. Or, or an electric vehicle where we, you know, strap a bunch of motors together and some batteries, and we try to make a, an electric car go a set distance and then stop. Um, and then go backwards, things like that. Um, solving those kinds of problems just always really captured my imagination, and I really got excited about it. And so Science Olympiad was a place for me to explore many different fields at once and be a part of different events and see what really resonated with me. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, competitions like that were super, super impactful for me. That was the first time that I visited New Mexico Tech was during a um, – one of those competitions, and so I got to see grad students and things like that, talk to them a little bit about their research and what they were doing, and see that, oh, wow, yeah, you're you're looking at combining this, this sensor technology into restorative brakes for cars. That's just like my electric car project over here. Um, really kind of lowered a lot of those barriers, understanding that, oh, I'm doing the same kinds of things that you're doing. You just know more about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really fun. Yeah. I'm curious. I mean – it's hard to say whether or not you know because you only know being homeschooled, but, like, do you think that had you gone to a public school that it kind of would have stifled your interest in these things? Uh, or do you think mm. you kind of would have ended up in the same path that you went down? Or do you think you would have been pushed in another direction? Question. That's, I, that's a great question. So I, I do know um, that one thing that I've really benefited from being homeschooled is that I could pursue the things that interested me and the things that I was passionate about yeah. In real time, I wasn't ever held back, and I wasn't ever, um, you know, I, I, I got a broad range of, you know, arts and sciences and things all together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think for my upbringing, I probably would have gone into uh, some kind of STEM field because that's what really my, my parents were passionate about. Mm-hmm. But I definitely wouldn't have had the same uh, conviction and, and passion about it, I don't think. Uh, unless I had been able to explore all those different aspects of, you know, renewable energies and, and 
um, Cyclopia projects and things like that, yeah. I was able to explore all those things very early on and at a much broader range because I could start whenever I was interested. So, my parents were really good about supporting that. Yeah, so I think it, it really just kind of depends. Like if you go to certain high schools or private schools, it, it kind of depends on what programs are there. And but kind of, I think homeschooling is kind of like the ultimate freedom. And so, really, to to do your best in life, you really need to be able to do what you're passionate about. And I think homeschooling kind of right. is the optimum environment for that for for students. So absolutely, absolutely, and because the the curriculum can be tailored to you. I mean, uh, a classic example is me and my brother learn very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he didn't like, re- I liked reading from a very early age. He did not like reading uh, until he was, you know, 12 or 13. And so uh, the different approaches that my parents could take to, to address each of those individual learning uh, needs um, really got us to succeed in an environment. But um, my, my brother, for instance, he's uh, also a controls engineer uh, at Sandia Labs now, uh, the national labs there. Uh, he got his master's and there was uh, a lot of folks that when they would hear about the, the different struggles that my parents had um, tailoring the curriculum to each of us, they, they weren't sure that he would even be interested in college, but they were able to give him the tools that he needed to get interested in the right things at the right time. And similar kind of story, he was doing a lot of these science Olympiad events and things like that and really sparked his imagination. Even though he wasn't interested in school at all, he actually did go and get his, his master's um, in a really exciting field for him because he was equipped with those tools that were tailored for him. Yeah. So curriculum is like a hot topic in homeschooling. Can you expand on like the structure? Like, did you like follow Like, did you, you know, get a book and, you know, go from A to Z or did you piece together your curriculum? Do you, do you remember any of the curriculums sure. you used, like oh, sex yeah. and math or? So, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. All the good I stuff. I definitely tried back to math for a year. And my mom's background was in math education, so she uh, really was, was, you know, vetting a lot of the, the curriculum. But she would go to conferences and she would go to all of these different um, workshops and things like that and try to figure out what was going to be the most salient thing for both myself and my brother. And um, so we would end up sampling uh, many different curricula over the time. Um, there were there were some things that we would stick with, and I, I don't remember the name of some of them, uh, but it was mostly math and science um, uh, curricula that we would actually we actually would go through a whole uh, segment, you know, with them, like maybe elementary school and the middle school things like that. Some of the other ones that my parents weren't as um, uh, as strong in, you know, some of the arts and things like that, uh, we would probably change it around um, every few years. And I, I think we learned those just fine, but uh, certainly were the sort of trajectory and some of the some of the momentum that we gained, uh, I think, was from sticking with some of those curricula through several years and getting the benefit of starting young and, and watching those same ideas develop and, and things like that as time went on. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely, uh, my parents would talk to all their friends who are also homeschooling and be like, oh, what did your kids think of this? You know, how were the experiments here? Were they fun? Um, and we found that, uh, especially as we were coming up, there was, homeschooling was still sort of new. So there's a lot of trying a bunch of different ideas. You know, is it better to do uh, books or is it better to do computer programs, things like that? 
Um, but what seemed to be the, the overarching story with, with it all was um, if, if something seemed to catch and seemed to work, to kind of stick with that and then keep searching on those other areas that didn't catch and find something that really inspired that passion and uh, really spoke to each of us in, in kind of the way that we needed to be uh, to be learning. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you, you went to the Science Olympiads, and it sounds like you really kind of found your passion, probably had a lot to do with your parents' professions, but then just, uh, I'm guessing, your own experiences with, with getting into this stuff. And so then I, mm -hmm. I, I guess it was pretty obvious you had to go to college at that point, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, with, uh, with Science Olympiad, uh, these competitions, what I found is that the continuation of the same things that I really enjoyed. So, you know, one of my favorites was building the trebuchet, and we had other um, mechanical design, things like that, um, is that, you know, I, I really liked taking something from, from concept into reality, taking these ideas from physics and math and seeing them turn into something physical and actually do something with it mm -hmm. and actually be able to measure what I've done with it. And I started to, to see as I was doing these, these competitions and I'd see the, the college uh, professors and grad students and college students volunteering uh, I really understood that those things that I really enjoy doing, going from concept into reality and designing these mechanical structures and, and understanding how to make them work is exactly what what these folks are doing. And so I, I was definitely convinced at that point that not only do I need to go to college, but I really wanted to do something technical and I really wanted to do something along the lines of physics or mechanical engineering and be able to pursue these these ideas that I like so much of um, turning that interesting idea, that sort of invention, into reality. Yeah. So I know you went to New Mexico Tech. So what kind of how did you make that decision of where to go to to college? And was there any issues yeah. you ran into having been homeschooled and the transition from homeschooling to college? Sure, absolutely. So. Um, so I wanted to go to the Air Force Academy originally, and uh, when I was maybe a, a sophomore um, in high school, um, I definitely was thinking that physics is, is the thing that I wanted to do because I really enjoyed my, my physics classes. I really enjoyed the mathematics around physics. Um, and that was the year that we did some of these electric vehicle competitions uh, in San Sebastian, things like that. And what I found is that what I was actually, the thing that I was most passionate about is better described as sort of applied physics, mechanical engineering. Mm -hmm. And um, and so part of that sort of discovery is that a lot of these universities at the time were saying, hey, we know that you're homeschooled and that's great, uh, but we'd really like some kind of... Um, good faith that you're going to be okay to work in a normal classroom environment. <laughs> yeah. And so some things that we've been told is that, you know, one thing that's really helpful is if you actually go to community college in high school, uh -huh. take some classes and get used to that kind of more structured learning environment and make sure that you function well in there. And um, so my parents and I took that pretty seriously. So um, my junior year of high school, we went to the community college took the entrance exams and tried to find some classes that I probably would have been taking anyway and just take them at the community college instead. So 
um, calculus, chemistry, some of those things. Um, I took those there, and that really helps sort of bridge that gap. Um, and for me, both my, my parents were college educated, so I had some idea of what to expect. Uh, but there was still sort of a, a learning curve of, you know, oh, yeah, here's, uh, here's how to prep for a test that somebody's going to give me that, you know, maybe they're not as concerned about my total learning outcome. They're just concerned about how this grade gets reflected, you know, things like that. There's some subtle shifts in how much work was expected before the test versus, okay, let's take this test and see what you missed, and then we'll redress those things, kind of a different mentality from being homeschooled to yeah, being I in college. So that was super helpful for me, for sure. And, um, and also, you know, to that point, homeschooling had prepared me to take those college-level classes uh, several years earlier than, than most students normally would. Yeah, I kind of had a similar experience. Um, I, I was not near, had yeah. a clear direction that I wanted to do engineering at the time, but like I, I started taking classes and I really had no idea what to expect. I didn't even know that people mm-hmm. wore backpacks. I'd like literally for a week or so, <laughs> I carried around all my books in a, in a paper bag and in hindsight, I looked really stupid, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but really just the, the, the learning mentality that I developed being homeschooled, you know, far overcame not being used to the structure of, of you know, that, that education right. framework. And I, I knew how to read on my own and teach myself from textbooks. And that went a, a really long way into doing well. Uh, and so there was Absolutely. really, yeah. And so that, that went a long way anyways. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, a, a lot of my uh, close friends went to, went to tech with me and, you know, any, any social things we were able to pick up on pretty fast, and, and we made a lot of friends. Um, similar, similar kind of deals. You know, we, we had a different way of, of learning, and I think it's, it really is you, you hit it, I think, that ability to sort of take ownership of, of learning and read on our own and, and understand things um, and bring that in and, and match that to what we're getting from class and getting from the homework and things like that. But yeah. sort of being an independent learner in, in a lot of ways just really was a huge benefit to me and carried me all the way through grad school. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So you, you went to community college for a while, and so did you finish out an associate's there? Did you just take some classes and then transfer directly? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, I did not go for the associate's, um, mostly because I knew that I was going to get my – bachelor's and so it wasn't worth it for me to get the additional electives and things like that to actually get the associates but I probably took enough classes that I I could have Mm -hmm. Um, for the most part I was building a foundation of some of the entry-level classes um, even some of the some of the readout classes pretty classic readout classes like chemistry one and two Um, I could get those early and one of the nice things about community college as well is uh, for the most part, those grades transfer over to most universities as pass-fail. Um, and so you can get the benefit, too, of, hey, I'm kind of learning this this college thing. And if I don't do so well with the grade part of it, um, at least I can have something to show for it. And then if you do well on it, you can use that as well to build your resume and things like that. But yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, but I, I definitely I highly recommend doing the even just one or two community college classes uh, but the more that you take, I, I found that it really helped 
uh, effectively, I, I sort of could break my, my bachelor's degree out over, you know, six years. And having the extra time to sort of devote to some of those harder classes really helped me out, too. Yeah, and, I mean, that's the same route I went. I almost got an associate's, but and, and it's a heck of a lot cheaper, too. The, you know, calculus at a community college oh, yeah. is, is no worse than calculus at whatever university, you know. It's really, you know, it is what it is. And uh, if you learn it and uh, the university you're going to transfer to accepts the, the transfer credits, then I definitely think that's the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and um, you know, that was part of the reason between that and um, really applying for scholarships and things like that, you know, I was able to, to come out of out of undergrad with, with no debt because I was able to take those cheaper options, right? And I was able to save up for those community colleges, and then I was uh, able to kind of go to those scholarships with some some sense of credibility that oh yeah, I've got a track record of, of doing well with these these topics. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. So you went to directly to New Mexico Tech after community college, is that right? That's right. That's right. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so I, uh, I did a couple of years of community college as sort of a supplement to my homeschool, high school curriculums, and then graduated high school, went straight to New Mexico Tech, got my bachelor's in mechanical engineering, um, graduated with Jared and Amanda, and um, then I went straight from there to grad school. So I got really interested in controls and robotics um, my junior year of, of undergrad. And so I started looking at places to apply across the country. And grad school is a little different from uh, from those undergrad institutions. In undergrad, you take the SATs and ACTs, and uh, you look at the programs, and you look at some of the hiring rates, and you uh, see who's kind of got a strong, if it's engineering, you know, engineering focus, or if it's science, who's got a strong research focus, things like that. In, uh, in grad school, it's, it's similar, but now you're looking more for specific advisors uh, to work with who are going to steward you through your through your grad school experience, right. uh, at least if you're doing a, a PhD, because um, the, the advisor there is really the one that's, that's sort of guiding your, your growth in that sense. And so I looked at uh, places all around the country. Um, one thing I never focused on very much that, uh, in hindsight, I probably would have practiced more was standardized testing. <laughs> um, and that, that was sort of my own choice. My, my parents, you know, gave me the resources to, to really study for those things well, and I, I never took it as seriously uh, back then as I wish I would have. But um, some, of my, some of my GRE scores uh, weren't as high as I'd wanted. Um, and so that sort of limited some of the scope of, of the different places that I could get into. I think the GREs are so um, stupid, honestly. It's like, I, I, I took it, it twice, and it's like, really? Do we need to know 50,000 yeah. vocabulary words to be a good PhD in engineering? That's you know? right. That's right. Exactly, exactly. And then um, for me, it was, when I took it, it was the first year that they did the progressive, um, oh, you know, you yeah. have to understand the, the lower math concepts to get to the higher. And there were some things that I had always struggled with, and they were questions that I honestly was thinking I was going to skip on some of the statistics and things like that uh, questions that I had to actually work through and get right to get to the later math hmm. uh, questions. So I never got to those higher concepts that I was really comfortable with oh, uh, on the GRE. So I looked like an English major, uh, <laughs> according to my GRE. So so for that, for me, what really uh, helped go that extra mile um, is I interacted 
as I was growing up, and I, I attribute this to homeschooling, I interacted with adults um, as peers in a lot of sense, like, um, you know, trying to hold uh, adult-level conversations with them and things like that, and learning from them and, and, you know, understanding what they do and what makes them interested in what they're doing. And uh, so because of that, when I came to college, I, I bonded and made good friendships with a lot of my professors. And so then they were able to send out letters of recommendation and um, pull on some of their, their network that they created to get me into places that normally I, I wouldn't have had access to because of my, my scores. And uh, so that's actually how I got in with my advisor here at the University of Utah is um, Dr. Grove from, from Tech at the time oh, yeah. uh, was like, hey, I, I had this advisor uh, for my master's. He was really great. He was all about controls and robotics. I think you guys would get along really well. Uh, let me give you his, his contact info. And then I didn't realize, but he'd actually made um, an introductory call for me, sort of a, a uh, letter of recommendation as a phone call. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing that convinced my advisor to bring me on is because on paper, I maybe didn't look quite as impressive, but it was that personal uh, connection, that network uh, connection that really uh, brought the, the power of, of you know, leveraging that good relationship that they had, yeah. and I got to benefit from it. That's, so. I mean, because there's a ton of people with really impressive-looking applications, and it, it is extremely important while you're an undergraduate student, especially if you're planning on going to graduate school, to, to really make some close relationships with your professors. So I did, you know, exactly. I did everything I could to try to get to know my professors. I I took jobs that, you know, didn't pay worth, worth anything, but, you know, I just got a lot of exposure with the professors, and I got to really show them what I was all about, and... Um, and they did write a lot of recommendation letters for me as a result. And so, um, mm -hmm. and I really did Absolutely. enjoy working with them and, and learned a lot from that closer interaction. So that's definitely really important advice for anyone, especially if they're interested in, in the academia track or going on to the master's or PhD, but even in industry too, if you want to just quit after bachelor's, you know, your professors probably yep. have good contacts in industry too, so they could help get you, help get you a job too. So um, That's yeah. exactly right. Uh, yeah, and, and I really do attribute that to, to the homeschooling background because teachers aren't this imposing, you know, other entity. They're they're there for you, and they're they're interested in your success and stuff like that. Yeah, they're probably only. And I think I carried that attitude with me. I think they're really only annoyed by the the people who really aren't trying and don't really care. So people like well, people That's like right. you and you know. They really do want to help you out and get to know you and, and really push you along. I think that's a lot of the reason why they're doing what they're doing is because they care about the students and especially the ones who are really pushing for exactly. their future like you were. So That's exactly what that's right. happened right. with Jared and I. Um, my GRE scores, my math was actually really good, and my English was horrible because I can't spell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I can't spell to save my life. But uh, one totally, of my professors totally. uh, called his old associate from Johns Hopkins – and Jared, I think I, I kind of drug Jared into graduate school because I was doing medical-based research. And Jared and I both had to get into the same university, which was kind of a, that was really tricky at the time. But that same thing happened to us. Um, you know, he made a call and, you know, opened doors that normally would not have been there. Yeah. Coincidentally, Dr. Grow put in a good word for me, too. So he was helping both of us out. That's what I was thinking. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, which is fantastic. Cool. Absolutely. And the, the cool thing, too, is, um, you know, I think that that 
like for me, having received that and and understanding the the benefit of that, I, I look to those kind of opportunities now uh, as well. So um, it really it kind of goes both ways, right? You you pass it down uh, as you as you come up. Yeah. Okay. But to set the record straight, Jared was a much better student than I was. <laughs> so I think I was kind of the limiting factor in graduate school. Oh my gosh. As I remember, you guys were both stellars, so Yeah. Okay, cool. So uh so you made it to graduate school and, and then what? Found a good advisor, I hope, and Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So so finding a good advisor, um <laughs> was almost like dating. You know, you go around <laughs> and you try to get you know, you try to understand, like, hey, is this a good person to work with? Um, are they interested in the same things I'm interested in? Um, you know, are they going to be around? Are, do they just start? Do they have, like, starting money? Um, are they funded for these projects? And I got really lucky um, that the recommendation that I was hearing was, oh, yeah, uh, Dr. Hollerback, really, you got to work with him if you're at the University of Utah. Hmm. And... Um, so, so I met with him, and we, we talked about kind of what I was interested in, which was using controls and robotics to help people. And he happened to uh, be head of a project where uh, we were using robots to help rehabilitate people with spinal cord injuries. And so I thought, well, that's, that's, really, that's really right up my alley. Mm-hmm. So I really felt like God was you know, kind of directing me in that, in that area. And so I was like, hey, what can I do to work with you on this? And he says, well, I've, uh, I've got some funding to bring on a, a student. And, uh, you know, you've got this, this great recommendation from, from Dr. Groh, so let's, let's do this thing. And why don't you come work for my lab? And uh, I didn't even realize at the time how special that was, but he, he wasn't taking on very many students um, at the time. He was pretty intentional about who he was picking. Yeah. And uh, so I, I really just sort of got, got lucked into it. But, you know, that's why I really say, like, I feel like God was just opening doors and, and uh, opening the right doors for me to, to walk through because a lot of things lined up that really – normally wouldn't have lined up um, because the other professors that I would have worked with there uh, at the University of Utah, they, they were full up. They had already gotten their students uh, figured out because I didn't realize that they actually start that process pretty early mm. in, in the school year. You know, when you first start your senior year in that August, September timeframe, that's really when you got to start to make these connections and uh, start uh, that communication because by the time the applications are due, the professors a lot of times have a pretty clear idea of who they want yeah. uh, in their labs. Yeah, that's... That, that was kind of news for me. Make a good point. That, I mean, I had that problem. I went to, to Johns Hopkins without a specific professor to work with, and that was very difficult finding someone. So that that's a good, yeah. good thing. Cool. Absolutely. So what and, was, and again, I think that just boils down to those connections. The earlier you make them and the earlier you start talking to people about, hey, I'm, I might be interested in doing this. Even if you're not committed to it, try to, try to see where those things might go and, and foster some of, those, some of those options, even if you're not totally sure that that's what you want to do. Yeah. Our situation was really complicated. Jared and I applied to 10 schools just because we had to increase our probability of us both getting in. Right. So that was, that was a really hard time to... And we were like really stretched thin on, you know, uh, fun GRE testing, mm-hmm. application, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So it was either we both got into Johns Hopkins and Texas Tech. And so Amanda at the time wanted to do medical research. So it made obvious sense to go to the place that's known for medical research. And so Johns exactly. Hopkins, here we come. So 
And that's fantastic. In hindsight, yeah. looking back, I should have let Jared choose his school and I should have just worked. Really? Yeah. Well, I dropped out of graduate school about a semester and a half in. I just didn't, I just realized it wasn't for me. And so, yeah. And you talk about, you know, your advisor being a relationship. That was like the worst breakup I think <laughs> I've ever done. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, all throughout grad school, I had friends that was the same story. And I think, honestly, if I hadn't gotten a good fit of an advisor or didn't have the freedom to, to go and find another one that I, that I clicked with, um, I, I wouldn't have gone all the way through my PhD either because, um, yeah, so similar thing. If, if it's, if you don't have trust or communication built into that relationship with your advisor, uh, your experience in grad school is unbearable. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just really, uh, it can be very, very difficult. I think for me, um, it was more of and, a lifestyle. And that's all right. I mean, the great thing about STEM fields is there's still lots of, of verticality and opportunity and interesting things to do, um, even if you don't even consider grad school. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, I kind of had the problem of not finding an advisor. So I wanted to do robotics, but robotics is extremely competitive. So it's great that you got, got into that. But, like, they do really great uh, medical and surgical robotics at Johns Hopkins. But, you know, all the professors were not looking to pick up anybody. So there was one new professor that was kind of sort of interested in, in me, but we just didn't really hit it off. Um, so ultimately I went to switch completely from robotics to computational solid mechanics um, this professor mm-hmm. who was who was actively looking for American students because um, I don't know if it's the same experience for you, but when you go to graduate mm-hmm. school, you know us Americans become the minority. You know, I was there. Right. I was in a lab group with like twenty people, and there was only you know two Americans in there. They were all from all over the world: a lot of India, Iran, China, and extremely smart guys. Yep. But yep. it's really hard for. Um, them to get on the grants that my advisor was that had so he only he had a grant that was only for american citizens and so he was really looking for american citizens to apply so it was really easy for me to get into his lab and so i just ultimately switched and i went and worked with him but i just my my heart just really wasn't in that research i tried really hard and you know working 70 hours a week on school and on research you're really not interested Uh in is is not going to work out and so I made it to the point where yeah. I could get a master's just with the the course based and then, you know, mm-hmm. uh, decided, you know, I'm just going to stop here and, and get a job and see what happens. Um, and that's what I did. Right. But right. Um, luckily, being American, I had that option. But a lot of these foreign students, they're kind of stuck because they, you know, you have to have a, a job that supports a worker visa. And that makes it really difficult. Right. And so... You know, us Americans, we have it easy with graduate school, I think, because, for one, we don't even have to go to get a job. And then if we do go, exactly. a master's gets you way far ahead. And then, you know, PhD even more if that's the track you want to go. But at any rate. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, no, that, you bring up a really good point. Uh, one thing that, because um, that's absolutely true, a lot of my lab mates were Iranian. Um, and uh, so there were certain grants that my advisors either wouldn't even apply for or, um, you know, they were like specifically looking for students that could do things with the DOE and the DOD um, because, yeah, there, there are some real restrictions on who can study what <laughs> in a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, which reminds me of, of something, too. One thing that uh, was really impressed upon me in undergrad that really helped me out uh, was seeking out internships. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was a way for me to explore 
well, I like studying these things, but do I like actually doing the work of, say, a mechanical designer, things like that? Mm-hmm. So I, I got uh, these amazing opportunities uh, to work in, in various fields, and, and some of those did require American citizenship uh, to do. And, um, yeah, that, that was hugely beneficial as well, and that was a, another big part of why I decided to go to graduate school because I found that for me, some of these things that I – that I'm doing, I, I enjoy them for a short time. And then even over the course of the three-month internship, I find that I'm wanting something more more stimulating, more challenging. And uh, so that was really an interesting thing to learn about myself that I didn't really foresee until I was in those in those places. That yeah, being a part of this this work culture really helps me craft and understand who I am and where I want to go and what I could see myself doing for a long time. And, and having that passion about it. Absolutely. I think one of the hardest and most important things to figure out in life is what you enjoy doing. It sounds like a simple question, but it really isn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and for me, at least, um, that was all about experiencing and just trying these different things, basically throwing the noodle against the walls and seeing what sticks. Yep. Um, and that was, a, that was a really helpful strategy for me, at least. Yeah, I didn't have the... I would spend my summers at New Mexico Tech doing research, and so I was so stuck on academics you know, by the time mm-hmm. I was graduating with my bachelor's, and so that was the natural progression. Right. Absolutely. And and I'm sure that um, you know you probably really benefited from those that time spent there, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, I thought I enjoyed it. I don't think you really kind of know what graduate school is until you're in the midst of it. Like and you have yeah. to really, you have to at least love that lifestyle most days, in order to right, stick right. with it. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and then finding a community too to support you in that uh, is really helpful as well. Um, you know, and part of that is on the on the lab side, getting good advisors, getting good lab mates. Uh, part of that for me was was extracurriculars and uh, knowing that you know there's at least a part of life that's outside of school and then not related to, to research. And, you know, there's a lot of richness of life that, that comes uh, outside of the outside of the school walls. Yeah. So how long yeah. did it take you to graduate overall, just with just with the Ph.D.? Yeah. So so they typically say that a Ph.D. program is three to five years. Mm-hmm. Um, normally it's three years for people who come in with a master's and already have some uh, technical progress, maybe some publications uh, in that uh, direction. And then the five years is most people. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was right at five, and I, I probably could have pushed it to six. With grad school, there's sort of a nebulous uh, way to tell that you're done. And for me, it's really once you feel like you're you're done or you're ready to move on, you're done and you're ready. You know, and maybe that's when you get to the master's milestone, or maybe that's when you get to the PhD, or maybe that's when you get to postdoc. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was for the PhD. I was, you know, I, I enjoyed that season of life. I really grew a lot and benefited from it. But I really wanted to then go and take those skill sets and use them in industry to create something new and be uh, challenged on a, on a different time scale. But it's not on the publishing time scale. It's on the we need a product out the door time scale and kind of get those new challenges and new. Um, new interesting ideas a little more frequently. Yeah. Um, and so fortunately, my advisor, again, 
those connections. He was really well connected to uh, Sarcos, the robotics company that I work for now. And uh, so when I told him, hey, here's kind of what I'm envisioning uh, doing, he said, hey, uh, I know these guys. You should send this guy an email. Um, just talk to him. See, see what they've got going on. And um, this company in particular, they had basically restarted themselves as a startup. They had previously been a contract-based company, then they were trying to restart as a product company. So for most of my grad school, they didn't even exist, uh, even though I was really excited to do something like they were doing with Exoskeleton. Then they restarted a year or two before I was ready to get hired on, and fortunately, they just started hiring again when I was uh-huh. uh, starting to think about this. So uh, that was another, you know, pursuing those connections, making a good impression with, with the people you're working for. Uh, really took me a long ways, and then I did an internship while I was finishing up my PhD with with Sarcos, and then got to start full time. And uh, it's been it's been an amazing ride. You know, it's definitely my dream job. It's the startup culture is is um, very fast, very very intense. You know, lots of lots of hours. But if you make those those good uh, impressions and relationships with the people you're working for and with, uh, you can get work life balance in there too. Right. Um, so that's been a really interesting part of, of what I do now. But I've gotten to go around the country um, testing out our, our robotics and our different controls and things like that and get input from customers and potential customers and try to infuse that in a new and creative way into the robot. And that's been really rewarding. Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. I saw your LinkedIn video. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's super fun. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, there's uh, there's always more to do, but um, for me, it's it's really fun when you get to share it with with somebody and they get to actually. So, like, we went to CES and we had, you know, thousands of people come in and try our our robotic arm and lift some weight and feel the weightlessness of uh, what they were lifting, and then uh, we'll turn it off and they can feel how how <laughs> heavy that weight really is. That's and cool. uh, yeah, it's it's really it's really fun when when you're what you're envisioning your your invention that's turned into reality, uh, touches people and then, you know, changes, changes how, what they perceive as possible or changes their, their everyday lives. Right. It's really fun. Very cool. So, uh, one thing you mentioned, you know, at the first, you know, your parents both being, you know, in engineering and math and all that, um, you know, I didn't really know anyone who was, you know, a scientist or engineer or anything like that. I mean, so what advice would you give to someone who doesn't know anyone and all related to this industry they think they, they want to get into, you know, what, what kind of advice would you have as a way to figure out if this is really for them or not, or, or kind of get, get plugged yeah, into Yeah, absolutely. It? The thing that really got me passionate about it, even though I was sort of surrounded uh, with it, was, was doing it for myself. So um, my parents uh, would uh, help us out, but we would always get these projects, right? So a very simple, tangible one for me was was Legos. We spent a lot of time playing with Legos. Uh, we spent a lot of time with just like science kits. Um, they've, they've got prepackaged science kits that you can do to do chemistry experiments or um, electrical experiments, things like that. And really just, just try it out and see for yourself and see what captivates your imagination. Uh, and that, that was the thing for me is the things that captured my imagination that made me want to, to actually build this thing and, and see how I could make it work and do what I want it to do. Um, there's a lot of really cool YouTube channels out there um, that, uh, you know, King of Random and some of these guys, they, they make really interesting um, 
little inventions and things like that that you can actually uh, do some of the safer ones at home. Um, and so, you know, like uh, you can make slingshots out of, out of balloons and uh, bottle caps and things like that. Doing those kinds of projects, seeing it done, trying to replicate it, changing the design, making it your own, those are the kinds of things that really uh, inspired me coming up. Um, and uh, so if, if you don't have anybody that you know who's like that, at least doing these projects and, and seeing if that's something that is exciting for you really helps. And then trying to go out and, and uh, meet people. There's always these um, science fairs and science competitions going on. You can be guaranteed that there's a lot of people who are working in these fields who are interested in talking with you and um, seeing these ideas uh, that you've got and helping foster that, that direction, um, getting you plugged in with various folks. There's a lot of good ways to meet people who are in science and industry who are really excited to you know, be a part of your journey and, and get you where you want to go. Yeah, uh, I agree completely. Um, uh, I don't think people are annoyed when you bother them, you know, even just calling up people randomly at, at jobs, at at, uh, at, uh, at companies that you think are interesting, you know. You might get shut down, Absolutely. but, you know, you might not. You might end up talking to someone and it, it changes your life, you know, so I think it's worth it even off the off chance that you end up just annoying somebody, but whatever that you do. Absolutely, absolutely, and especially uh, people in high school. Um, I've found many times that we've had high schoolers who uh, get in contact with, with some of our folks and they say, hey, I'm really interested in robotics. Is there anything that I can do to help out uh, around your company? And more often than not, there's, there's a place where you can start to get involved, get in, in the industry, and try your hand at some things and build those connectionships, uh, connections and relationships so that, um, yeah, people are, are really excited to get new ideas and, and start people off on, on a good track. So that, that in boldness and that courage to just kind of step out and say, hey, I'm, I'm willing to try this. Is there anything that I can pitch in and do really goes a long way. Sure. Okay, Sam. Well, that's that's all the questions I had in mind. It's been great talking with you today. Um, yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, I really had no idea you were homeschooled until I called you about you know an hour ago. So, <laughs> it's uh, great. It's, it's great. I mean, it's funny that neither of us knew, but uh, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. You, me, and Brandon. I need to do a call with Brandon. He's he's doing well too. I know. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh. That's fantastic. And then, uh, yeah, a lot of the Runnels um, would be great people to talk to. My, my brother um, and his wife uh, both went to tech and uh, were both homeschooled. So cool. there's a lot of us out there. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Sam. Well, thank you again. It's been great talking with you yeah. and hearing about your story. Um, yeah, you too. Thanks, Jared. So until next time, this has been After Homeschool. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is sponsored by Blue Barrel Scientific, a curriculum company that helps homeschoolers discover their career field one experiment at a time.